Welcome to the APS Soup to Nuts podcast, where we explore the Attleboro School District in greater depth. I'm David Sawyer, Superintendent, and with me today is Jason Parento, our Facilities Manager, to talk about one of the most divisive topics of our time, snow days. Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first, Dave, I want to thank you for having me today. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, snow removal and facilities in general. Uh, I grew up in Providence, uh, started working in facilities as a custodian when I was uh, just 16 years old. Shortly after that, got into facilities management, became a manager, uh, an operations manager, and um, spent most of that time in school uh, doing some construction work on the side, overseeing project work. So getting into full-time facilities management was just sort of a natural transition. So uh, how did you end up in Attleboro? Interesting. I was working with GSA down in the Federal Court buildings in Providence, which was enjoyable, but had lost some of the challenge associated with some of the facilities-related things, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, Well-funded, budgets were were lucrative, um, so we were able to run really well-oiled machines from a facilities department. And I, and I think at the time I was just looking for a little bit more of a challenge. I saw an opportunity to, to come to Attleboro and work in K-12. I'd always loved working in and around school. So I took the shot and the rest is history. And so how long have you been with us? It's been 18 years now, 19 uh, this coming March. So I, I imagine that you found the challenge you were looking for in working in the Attleboro <laughs> Public Schools? Absolutely. I was hoping it may have started to <laughs> sort of diminish a bit at this point, but um, no, it's actually been a great experience. I, I love Attleboro, and while I, I don't live in Attleboro, I, I consider it to be my community. I feel really connected to the people here, to the schools, and just the community in general. Well, we're really lucky to have you, so thank you for joining me today. Um, I think the first thing we should make clear to our listeners is that uh, you're actually an employee of Sodexo. Um, okay. So could you tell me a little bit about your employer? Sure. Uh, so Sodexo is really the largest um, provider of food service and facilities management services across the globe. It's a global company um, that is based in France with over 300,000 employees worldwide with a local home office in almost every state on the East Coast. Uh, so. The folks that I report up to are officed out of Providence, Rhode Island, and um, you know, really, our goal is to, well, actually, let me back that up a little bit. When I started working for Attleboro, I didn't realize that Attleboro and Sodexo weren't sort of the same thing, and a lot of the questions that I had were, well, how do I work for Sodexo, but also work for Attleboro, and, and sort of how does that relationship work? And what I learned was that Sodexo gives you the tools and the training and really the processes to, to really develop and implement a solid facilities management program. But all of our direct reporting, my daily operation, everything goes through Attleboro. So it's an interesting relationship in the sense that I work for Sodexo, but what I pull from them are the resources to run a, a, a good facilities program in Attleboro. Hmm. So I didn't realize Sodexo was a, a French company. Is it, was it founded in France or did it move to France? Founded in France, believe it or not. I did not know yes, that. Yes, yes. Wow. And we've actually been in Attleboro for, for more than 30 years now. So that's a long-standing relationship. It's a long-standing relationship. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about that specific relationship between mm-hmm. Sodexo and Attleboro. Uh, so what kind of services does Sodexo uh, provide for uh, the school district? So we are um, doing facilities management services where we not only manage our own employees who work evenings, 
cleaning the buildings, but we also help manage the day custodians and the facilities and maintenance department. Um, how we do that is by implementing a, a maintenance management program that not only allows us to plan routine and um, non-routine maintenance tasks, but also um, allows us to sort of plan for the future. So our maintenance management program, along with our custodial program, is sort of the primary focus of what we do here. Hmm. So uh, you mentioned that sort of dual relationship where you're managing Sodexo employees, yes. but also helping us to manage um, our own employees, Absolutely. who we supervise, but you know, you're providing management support for. Um, that leads me to a question about just our overall staffing level as a district. Uh, how are we staffed? So we're a little understaffed. Uh, we feel it more in the maintenance side than we do on the custodial side. We've got, uh, according to APA, which is the Association of Physical Plant Administrators, we are understaffed by a minimum of six maintenance personnel and uh, by close to a dozen custodial personnel. Where we feel that is in our ability to do project work and to do proactive maintenance in a lot of areas instead of reactive maintenance, which is it's at times where we spend a lot of our time. The fact that the district employs such a great staff of on-site maintenance personnel has allowed us to be incredibly effective in that role. We, in, in fact, um, the MSBA recently noted that the effective of, effectiveness of our maintenance program here actually resulted in some increased, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some in um, reimbursement. Thank you, Dave. Some re, uh, increased reimbursement through the MSBA program on the new high school. Yeah, no, you uh, really made the, 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 the city some money uh, through your hard work. And <clears throat> so I, I think you raise a very important point. Um, you know, one of the reasons why we needed a new high school um, that that reimbursement's coming for is that uh, the facility was in such disrepair um, that it made more economic sense to build a new one than it is to try to repair it. Absolutely. And many people in the community saw that as negligence on our part for taking care of, of our facility. Uh, but really what we were talking about there is capital improvement versus maintenance. Absolutely. Right? Could, could you just talk a little bit about that distinction? Sure. So um, maintenance is really anything that means that we're taking care of the existing facility, extending building life cycle. So if you take a look at patching a roof is a good example. That's routine maintenance or, or building maintenance. Replacing a roof is capital. So we've gotten to a place where the maintenance piece no longer sufficiently supports a lack of capital projects that are being done. And not for any other reason except that they're gaining on us. It's not just a roofing issue. It's not just heating. There are plumbing issues. There are numerous infrastructure issues from windows to, to skylight systems to the swimming pool, which I know there's always a lot of conversation around that. So what we've been able to do is that the maintenance staff has been able to extend the natural life cycle of the facility. So what's interesting is that we're really proud of the work that we've done here because we've extended the natural life cycle of the building system almost to the detriment of sort of the opinion that because it's lasted so long, we're not able to take care of it when really these conversations about replacing the building should have been had 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's fair to say that uh, we have real challenges in terms of capital improvements. Absolutely. Uh, but we're doing a very good job of, of maintaining what we have. Absolutely. As I said earlier, your on-site maintenance staff is fantastic. And when you think about the fact 
So we talked a little bit about APA earlier and how they recommend staffing in the school mm -hmm. district. So we talk about each maintenance person sort of being responsible for 230, 240,000 square feet, but really back that up and it's one HVAC mechanic responsible for 1.4 million square feet, one plumber responsible for 1.4 million square feet. So when you really drill down into the math, you realize that it's a tremendous responsibility mm. and, and really just a fantastic job that these guys have done maintaining the district. So I mean, briefly, how, how do we, given that we're understaffed, do such a great job with maintenance? I think there's there's a couple of things that contribute to that. I think it all starts and ends with, or, or really all starts with, with having the right people in place. And the fact that the district was willing many, many years ago to bring on licensed HVAC mechanic, a licensed electrician, a licensed plumber, professionals in those trades, instead of just sort of staffing the entire department with maintenance or general maintenance guys, had a huge impact on our ability to do some of those tougher projects. It also relates directly to a solid maintenance plan. And a lot of the things that we do working directly with the business office and your office about what are the priorities for keeping the heat on, keeping the lights on, being energy efficient, so long-term planning, consistent communication through the schools. With our work order system, anyone in, a, uh, in the school office can put together a work order request. We communicate that out to them if that request becomes an actual work order, and then we build our program based on that. So it's having a five-year plan, it's a regular communication with the schools, and really just having a tremendous staff. Mm. Well, thank you. So I'd like to shift now to uh, the, the meaty topic for, for today's conversation. Uh, everyone's favorite topic, snow days, right? <laughs> Who doesn't uh, love to have an opinion about uh, this, the school's uh, decisions around uh, how to handle snow? Um, so I thought we could break this uh, conversation down into a couple of distinct phases. Sure. And uh, the first one I would talk, I think we would talk about is uh, preparedness, right? Uh, snow days for us do not begin when the snowflakes start falling. It no. starts well ahead of that. So Absolutely. tell me a little bit about the uh, district's effort to be prepared. So we start actually thinking about uh, snow in late summer, early fall. That's when we start transitioning our lawn equipment over to snow removal equipment, start making sure that we've got the right materials and equipment in place, whether it's ordering ice melt, connecting um, with certain vendors. We do get some support from vendors with clearing parking lots. So we start having those conversations late summer. We start transitioning the equipment over in early to mid fall. We're sort of always basing that on our ability to chase leaves around the district and, and we're able to make that move. And, um, and just making sure that we are prepared, the maintenance department meets with the custodial department, we devise a plan, make sure that each building is covered. And, and that's really when we sort of prepare. An actual snow event starts probably a week out. We start keeping it, we watch the forecast very closely this time of year, as you know. And um, you know, we look at several sources, sort of triangulate what might be the most um, practical um, response to the forecast and then plan accordingly. So when you discuss those plans uh, before it even starts snowing, I imagine the fact that we are short-staffed and the fact that, uh, you know, quite frankly, we have an, an aging staff. Absolutely. Um, that there are real challenges to making sure that we're gonna have the manpower we need uh, to, to take on some of these these, these events. Absolutely, it's a, it's a consistent challenge. As you said, the aging workforce means that we have to constantly be bringing in and, and preparing a new group of folks to step up and support the existing staff. And one of the nice things about 
the relationship between Sodexo and the school district is that we have second shift custodians who are interested in doing that type of work. So this winter and in, in past winters, there'll be a handful of Sodexo custodians on call to support the district's custodians who perform your primary snow removal functions. So if a school like um, Peter Thatcher Elementary, which has an incredible amount of stairs and shoveling work, will support that process this year. When we had um, the old high school, that was an incredible um, task. So we're using Sodexo folks to supplement the efforts of the district staff, and it's really worked well. And so part of our success when, when it snows is having these plans in place ahead of time because you can't, uh, while it's snowing, realize, oh, I, we should probably do something about uh, I wonder if he's all those stairs at that chair. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 All right, so then <clears throat> when there's uh, snow in the forecast, and mm -hmm. that's right, we, you know, we both uh, start, uh, keep our eyes on the forecast. Absolutely. And, you know, days out, we're watching to see uh, if a storm is really going to develop into a problem for us or whether we're going to get lucky and it's either going to be too warm or exactly. you know, miss us. Um, when would you say that the uh, in, in our process that we really start to have a conversation about whether or not a decision has to be made about uh, affecting the school day? Generally, I think you and I connect 24 hours in advance. Mm -hmm. um, the conversation is based around accumulation forecast. Uh, road conditions are always critical. Mm. And, um, and then obviously um, timing. And um, so I think it's probably 24 hours in advance. It feels like we probably connect every six hours after that mm. until we've been able to come to a, a decision on what's the best um, action to take at that point. Yeah, keeping an eye because the forecast develops as we go and exactly. other factors become more clear. Yeah, we uh, once we establish, we either get to a place where we feel like we're safe or the continuation that conversation continues until it starts to really exactly. escalate as uh, we realize we have a problem. Um, now is. I, I know that I uh, have conversations with other superintendents to get their perspective on Absolutely. what they're doing. Uh, who are some of the people that you might be talking to while we're going through this process? So, of course, I'm speaking um, with our local staff, school custodians, our maintenance supervisor, Jeff Brusso, and then I'm also connecting with, with other districts. So I'm talking to facilities directors from Cumberland, from North Attleboro, from Pawtucket, getting just a sense of what's happening in the area, how they're being impacted by the weather, and sort of what their thoughts are. I think it's critical to sort of tap into um, that knowledge that's out there and just see how other folks are responding. Um, so, and then of course, we're talking to local city officials, uh, DPW, police, those folks. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a real community effort, and it's a regional effort. You know, a Absolutely. lot of times, you know, if it's snowing here, it's you know snowing next door. So absolutely, um, it, it's good that communities I think are helping each other uh, think through and and try to come up with the best plan of action. Absolutely. So I would say that um, in most events uh, we make a real effort to make a decision the night before. You know, a lot of our families um, appreciate our efforts to be able to inform people with as much notice as possible so that they can make accommodations because certainly Absolutely. when we have to uh, cancel or delay school, uh, you know, that requires them to make some, some adjustments uh, to their daily routines. Um, so, you know, when we ever we can make a decision before say nine o'clock, um, you know, I, I, does that sound about right? I think uh, that sounds right, nine yeah. o'clock. Um, uh, generally the latest. Like to do that. Yeah, um, so we try to do that, but sometimes the forecast doesn't really allow for that, right? There's, it really doesn't. Yeah. So. When that happens, we have to um, put off that decision 
um, until morning. Um, that starts with a, a, a nice bright and early call, uh, 4 a.m. You and I are on the phone at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I know that we've both been out, done up and, and out in, in many cases long before then. Yes. Uh, I like to, to actually physically drive the district. I want to make sure first and, and foremost that our guys have been mobilized. The folks who are taking care of our parking lots, our frontline staff are mobilized and be there to support them, but also get an actual feel for what's happening on the roadways mm. for walkers and drivers. So I'm usually out in the district before three during or um, sort of after a snow event. And we really base it on actual conditions. You and I connect. I know in yep. most cases you've already been up and out. So together we're sort of putting our heads together and, and sort of figuring out what's the best move from there. Yeah, because we really need to make a decision by 5 a.m. Absolutely. Um, there are too many um, uh, things that go in motion um, pretty early in the morning that if we don't make the call, they're going to already be started. You know, uh, the, the, certainly the buses, uh, food service workers. Um, and then, of course, your crew needs to know what they're doing. Um, so there are a lot of reasons why these decisions have to be made uh, pretty early. And then, uh, you know, we try to get that communication out by 5.30 so that families are aware of what we're doing. Um, so if we choose to either have school, even though there's going to be some accumulation, sure. um, or if we go with a delay, uh, that has a real different impact on your crews rather than if we cancel, right? Absolutely. So uh, could you just explain to people, like, why that's different for you, whether we cancel or whether we're going to have kids come in on a, on a snowy day? Absolutely. So our goal is to, to always open. We love to open, and we want to open on time. We realize that that's not always possible. So at that point, we want to impact the school day as little as possible. Now, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say a cancellation doesn't equal a huge exhale from our entire <laughs> staff because it gives you that time. Mm. Um, so the mobilization of a cancellation looks much different. If we're canceling, we're going to wait until the snow has stopped, then we'll bring in crews to clean. Of course, we want to manage the expense of removing snow. Yep. Um, while doing that, we're, of course, keeping our emergency shelters open. A delay or an early dismissal means that we have to keep moving forward, and at times that equals multiple passes, whether it be on sidewalks or in parking lots. So it really does significantly impact the way that we manage a storm. And what it really all comes down to is how many times are we going to clear that same piece of real estate? Mm. And so when we're talking about a couple of inches of snow, that's something you guys can manage, which is why we might, uh, if we think that the driving conditions aren't going to be too bad, um, go ahead and have school even though the, you know, the snow is flying. Absolutely. Absolutely. For us, safety is primary. That's what we're always considering. Um, but a couple of inches, we're very comfortable that we can get sidewalk cleared parking lots clear and make sure that everyone is, who's coming to school is going to get there safely. Hmm. So sometimes though, you know, we get whopped with a major snow event. Yes. We're talking a foot or more. Um, could you explain to people how that has a, a, another impact on, on, on what you do? Sure. So we're, when we start to get, get into those higher accumulations, it starts to become about how long can not only our staff continue to push that snow and clear snow, but our equipment begins to break down we ultimately end up taking someone off of a plow or one of our tractors, and that person's primary responsibility now is keeping the equipment going. Because if it's something even small, like breaking a shear pin on a snowblower uh, to a damaged plow or a flat tire or something along those lines, 
we need somebody available to do that. So we lose a little manpower in the actual removal of the snow, but we pick it up in, in keeping everybody moving and keeping everybody working. Mm -hmm. So when we get to those higher amounts of snow, it becomes about keeping the equipment going and making sure that our guys are working safely and effectively and that we're not burning them out. So sometimes those, those higher accumulations can result in longer um, closings but it's not because we're not putting the effort in to make it happen. It's just there are other factors to take into effect when you run into Yeah, I mean, circling back to that, you know, we don't really have the kind of staff we should have for a district exactly. of this size. Um, that really inhibits our ability to remove all of that snow. That's exactly um, right. And then another component to why we, sometimes we have to have a cancellation the day after a major snow event is we have to worry about the sidewalks, too, which, you know, we, we control, if I, if I have this correctly, we control the sidewalks on our premises. That's right. Um, but, you know, the, the city's the ones that's taking care of the sidewalks uh, leading up to the schools. Absolutely, absolutely. And they've, they do an amazing job of doing that, but of course sidewalks are secondary to roadways. Yeah, the roads have to be first. So, and, and, and you know, that's always sort of the challenge. So that kind of leads into, I think, the final part. Uh, what is the city's role in our snow removal efforts? Well, the city has been a tremendous partner, um, not only with helping us prepare for storms. I'll have several conversations with folks from DPW or uh, APD leading up to a storm, um, but also during a storm. The, the DPW comes in and actually does all the sanding and salting in the school district for us. And they do a tremendous job. It, it's almost on automatic. You can set your watch on when these guys are gonna come through. So they follow behind us. We remove the snow, they sand and salt. It's been a great partnership and incredibly helpful to the district. That's great. Uh, really, you know, it's a community effort. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, that sort of is the, the, the story behind what happens when it snows. Uh, anything else uh, we uh, forgot to cover? No, just um, thank you for the opportunity to talk about some of the great work that's happening here in the district and, and in the city. Yeah, I just I hope that this conversation helps people to understand how complicated uh, what is the seemingly simple decision of whether or not to have school uh, is and all the things that go behind it and uh, how committed we are to uh, be open whenever we can be. I'd like to thank you, Jason, for joining me. I, I think this was uh, very helpful for uh, people who are interested in this topic. And I'd like to thank our, our listeners, as always, uh, and hope that uh, you'll give us another chance next time. Thank you so much. Thank you.